Well, good to see all of you this evening. If you are visiting with us, we're um, really glad to have you with us tonight. If this is home for you, we're glad that you're uh, hanging out with us tonight as well. If you're listening online, because I'm going to encourage a, a number of people to be listening online after this, we welcome you to, uh, to, to this as well and hope that, uh, you know, wherever this finds you, you're going to be uh, incredibly blessed. So um, a, a couple weeks ago, we, we, uh, we were talking, and Gary, Gary referenced it, we were talking about the next generation and talking about uh, uh, the the being intentional about the generation that follows us and reaching them and not leaving them behind, not being a one-generation uh, church. And, and it's been something that just, I mean, probably because I'm spending so much time painting and doing other things around here to get this, uh, to, to help with our kids' ministry. Uh, minus, yeah, I do some golfing in there too. Got to save room for important stuff too. But uh, been spending some uh, some time. I love uh, serving with the team that's been uh, been doing that. It's been great, great times. But it's just been on my mind and in my heart. And and I, as I've been thinking about it over the last number of weeks, um, one of these scriptures that just kept coming back to me is this. And it's one of the last things that God spoke to the children of Israel before the you know at the end of the Old Testament, before the New Testament. There was 400 years of silence, and these were the last actually the last words that they heard was this, and it was written down by, by the, the prophet Malachi, and he said this, that, you know, um, there's not going to be any, any teaching or anything. You're not going to hear the voice of God for, for a long time, but when you do, you're going to know it's me because you're going to hear somebody whose preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And he was speaking to John the Baptist, and when that happened, you know, they recognized that that uh, John the Baptist was this uh, Elijah that was promised. And from that point where Jesus came on the planet, it was turning hearts of, uh, hearts of the fathers to the children. And I underlined those words or made them yellow, the word hearts, because that's what God's all about. He's not all about our hands and our actions and all as much as he's about our heart. If he gets your heart, he gets everything else. And so it was this, this thought that um, in their culture, in their time frame, kids were just kind of an afterthought. Children were just like, you know, their, their possessions. If they lived long enough, then they were worth something, and then they were important. And otherwise, man, let's not waste our time on them. And, and, and Jesus began to bring about something completely different, valuing women and children. Is there any women and children in this place? Yeah, you know what? You can thank, um, you can thank Jesus for, the, for, um, for what he shared that brought about a change to, to the way we see life now and the way we value every uh, life. So I wanted to kind of share part two of that tonight. And uh, I, I believe there's stuff in here for everyone because, you know, it's not just about children, but he calls us his children. And so as you listen to these thoughts, as he talks about children, there's some things in there that just directly relate to us. I don't know about you, but Today, today was like the day where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, did you guys have that day as well? No. Oh, well, I don't know what it was, but just every, everything uh, from, from broken tires to, you know, get, getting here, forgetting that I was supposed to have something delivered to the church and having to pick it up on the way here. Thus, I was uh, extra late. And then going down to check in my kids and the machine not working as soon as I touched it. That used to be uh, Wes's job to blow up computers, but now has passed on to me. And it was like uh, everything wasn't working. And then, and then I even uh, as I was sitting there, I'm like, have my notes sitting there. And then my son came came over and spilled his tea all over it. So I'm going to try and figure out what uh, I had here in the, in the blur of ink. But it was just one of those days. And I don't know about you, but kids, kids can drive you crazy sometimes. 
I tell you, as a father of four children, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, this is like, you know, in the car and you look back and you're like, oh, you know, there's this guy named Jim Gaffigan. He, you know, he has four children. Now, if you've seen him, he says, you know, people look at him like, you have four children? Like, what's that like? And he's like, just picture yourself drowning and then someone hands you a baby. That's what it is when you have like four, four children. But they drive you nuts, right? In the car, like you just as you're driving, there's, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Dad, turn up the DVD. Dad, oh, I can't hear. Dad, turn down the DVD. She's looking at me. She's not looking at me. You know, he's copying me. He's copying me. He's copying. Stop it. Ah, stop it. It just drives you insane. Sometimes, I think I heard Wes talk about that once where he's just speeding, like, let the cops pull me over. Take me to jail. It's better than this, right? Uh, you know, it's that, that thought of they can just drive you nuts. Um, at my house, we built our kids this gorgeous toy room where they can have all of their toys. Do you know that they never play with their toys in their toy room? They drag all their toys into my office and play with them there and leave them everywhere. And I'm like, you know, kids, if you leave them here, I'm going to toss them out. And like, that's fine. We'll just ask Peppa for new toys, right? And so it's, it's, like, it's like, oh, this week, you know, I planted sod in my backyard in the place where they made, they, they had a slip and slide last year. And so it was just a mud pit. So I planted some sod down there. Every other day, they're picking it up. I go out there, I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, we just want to see if it's growing, Dad. And they pick up the sod. I'm like, I was like, you're driving me nuts, right? Like, your mother wanted four children. Uh, but. You know, as I, as I think about it, though, I realize there's one thing about kids, and that is, you know, even in all of that stuff, there's this curiosity to learn. They never stop learning, and, and I don't think we ever should as, um, either. And, and so there's some things that I want to talk about tonight, just in that idea of learning, learning from our children, learning from Jesus in, in how he relates to kids. Found some incredible quotes. I want to share them with you tonight. There's a guy named Franklin P. Jones. I have no idea who he is, but he said this, you can learn many things from children, like how much patience you have, for instance. That's one of the things I think we can all learn from kids. Um, You know, you can learn things like this, that a child will find the one permanent marker in a box of 100 pencil crayons, guaranteed. Max has taught me that you can do things accidentally and on purpose at the same time. The other day he came in, Dad, I cut one of your flowers accidentally on purpose. I'm like, all right, can't can't discipline you for that. It was an accident. You can learn about numbers. My daughter and, and we were driving the one day, and she's like, Dad, guess what? I know how many grains of sand there are at Sandhills. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, yeah, there's a gazillion, billion, trillion, million. I was like, wow. And Link's like, Reese, you're making that up. Those numbers aren't real. The only one that's real is a gazillion. <laughs> Kids will teach you new ways to drink milk. Kids will teach you new ways to paint. That's why we have adults helping us paint downstairs. And kids will teach you that that this is not a good idea. Anybody recognize that child? Okay, the weird thing is, that's not my son. That's somebody else's kid. And he even thought it was him and couldn't remember doing this. But bad idea. You can learn you can learn some stuff from children. You can learn some good things from them too. And as you you know, we, we better bring the Bible in. We're getting off topic here. But turn to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, if you have your Bible, and if you don't, you can follow along here. It says this: it says, Then the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple. And actually, what had just happened here, this is this kind of follows a really famous story where Jesus went to the temple and he he saw all of these money changers there, and, and they were they were um, misusing 
uh, the temple gates. And so Jesus went and he started whipping and flipping the tables and he cleared out the temple. And he said, this temple was not meant for this. It was meant to let everyone in. And so they were, they were saying, you know, the poor couldn't make it in and the, and the lame couldn't come in and the blind can't come in and children definitely can't come in. And Jesus said, you know what? That's not what this place was meant to be. And so he changed, he flipped it all over and, and everybody's kind of looking at like, it's been this way for a thousand years, and this guy comes in and just changes everything. And it says this, but then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And it says, but when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and they, and they heard the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these kids are saying? You know, he wasn't so, in, they weren't so indignant. The leaders weren't upset they were a little upset that the blind and the lame were coming into, into the church because th- that was never supposed to be the case. They wanted a nice, clean, um, clean uh, church service. And, you know, no blind and lame were ever allowed in the temple. And, and that was happening. And they were getting healed. But the big problem they had was what, the, what these kids were saying. They said, you know what, do you hear what they're saying? They're singing Hosanna to the son of David. And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nurf- nursing infants you have perfected praise? He says, you guys actually have something that you can learn from these children. He was saying, you know, the, 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 the um, house of the Lord, the, the church later on, it was this place which was for, for everyone. It wasn't going to be this neat and clean and tidy thing. And, you know, I, I kind of love it because as Jesus opened the door, he let real people in. Any, any real people here tonight? You don't have it all together? It, it's, you know, he said, you know what, I'm going to let those people in. I'm going to tell them to come. I don't know if you guys realize, but children, they're pros at being messy. I, you know, we have to hire cleaners here just because there's children here. You know, this is what the church would look like if, uh, you know, if we didn't have Lily and the boys. Uh, but there's a mess. And I can tell you, it's a glorious mess. When there's stuff left over and things are a little bit um, chaotic. And, you know, when we have adult children, you know, whose lives are kind of a chaotic mess sometimes, if they're here, if they're allowed to be part of the, the, the family of Christ, it's amazing. It's a glorious, a glorious mess. I used to, you know, I used to help out in churches in the area. I can't say where, but there was one. It wasn't Sweets Corners. It was a different one. But they would, they would get so upset at us. We'd have youth events, and they'd come after, they'd come to us afterwards, and and they would just rip us apart because we left a towel on the counter. The youth left a towel on the counter, and that was just unbelievable. You know, it had to be completely perfect and clean after the youth left. And we thought, man, you know what? Youth were in your church. That should be amazing. But no, it wasn't clean. Yeah, you know what? I would love for this place to be messy because then I know that kids live here. You know, it was one of those things that as they thought about, they were upset because the children were, were um, in, the, in the temple. You know what? It just seems like that's the enemy's way. That the enemy's not so concerned about miracles happening because people will forget a miracle, you know, in a month. They'll forget a miracle maybe in a year. But you know what happens if a kid comes to know who Jesus is? That's like 60 or 70 years of trouble for the devil. Yeah, it's true. If a child gets to know who Jesus is, that's going to mess him up. And so, you know, that, that motivating thing behind just realizing, saying, hey, these kids, you know, you should stop them. And he's like, nah, you know what? You guys need to learn something from them. You can learn something from these children. They, they, they're not just doing all this other crazy stuff. But he says, you know what? You can learn something about praise, about worship from these children. So he said to the leaders of worship, it'd be like saying to the worship leader, saying, hey, listen, you know what? You think you got it all together, but look at these kids. These children, they know how to praise. I don't know if you ever watch kids worship. 
I was in Haiti not too long ago, and I, I was in an orphanage, and it was, uh, I think it was like the, the Thursday night um, kids' devotions, and they asked me to come down and, and play, and I had just been working all day, and it's hot there. I'm like so tired. I'm like, those kids, they're not, they, they don't even speak like real English. It's like Creole English. I, you know, I, it's just not going to be, I don't know. And, and so I was kind of hanging out in my room, and then as I heard them, I, I heard them singing. And the rest of the team was there, and Russ can vouch. I was the last one dragging my feet to get to, you know, the meeting. As, as I look, and I see these kids, and there they're sitting in a circle. They got this out-of-tune, you know, old guitar, and they got somebody else, and they're playing. And you just see them singing. And you see them just raising their hands, you know, to, to worship the Lord from the youngest to the oldest, closing their eyes, just connecting with their father, the only father they have. And yet they knew, and as I sat there, I was like, whoa. You know, and then I was like, I was just, you know, I realized again and challenged by that, you know, God, just to be able to connect with you, just to be like that with you as I saw it from these kids. And then all of a sudden they look over and they're like, hey, you come play the guitar. I'm like, oh, you know, and so I said, okay, I'll play one song, right? And we begin to play a song. And then at the end, they're like, one more, one more. And I was like, okay, so we'll play another one. And they just sing their guts out. And I'm like, you know what? It's amazing. You know, at church services, sometimes we get together and we're like, what? There was more than four songs? <laughs> What's going on? And yet there was that, in that kids, we can learn that one more. Dad, just, just give me one more chance to sing of how amazing you are. And Jesus was saying, you can learn from these kids. As these kids just reach up their arms to their, to their heavenly father. I remember Chris sharing that once here. He said, you know, it was like his son Desi just coming up to him and, you know, didn't even know how to say anything, but just saw dad and just raises his hands to dad. Some of you look around like, why do they raise their hands in church? Just reaching out for dad. Just simply reaching out for dad, connecting with him. And he said, you know, you can learn some of these things from kids. You know, one of the things we can learn from Jesus is his interaction with children. I remember uh, being at a conference a number of years back, and there was a guy named Willie George. If you're old enough, it was Gospel Bill. Uh, that's his real name is Willie George. I'm not even going to ask who you guys are because that's a long time ago. But he was sharing at this conference, and he said, too, you know, as, as, as Jesus was interacting with kids, he never saw kid problems. So often we look at our kids and we think, you know, the stuff they're going through, that's just kid problems. Those are just little things, you know. And, uh, but Jesus wasn't like that. In Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 9, he meets this guy named Jairus whose daughter is on death's door when he says, can you come and, and, and heal my daughter? And the problem is that she dies before he gets there. That's a real problem. That's a pretty big problem. And yet you see Jesus um, do a miracle and raise her from the dead. You know, you see a, a man who comes up to Jesus in a few chapters later, and he says, my son keeps being thrown into the water. My son keeps being thrown into the fire. Something's trying to kill him. And he's like, please, please, can you do something? And he says, yeah, I can. If you can believe, I can do something. And the father's like, yeah, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus um, cast that, a, a devil out of that child, and, and he, you know, he's set free. Do you realize that that same, you know, that same uh, demonic uh, uh, entity that was trying to get a child to take his own life back then is still around today? We see number of children in the news. It's crazy how many of these kids make these pacts with one another that life's not worth living anymore, and I want to end it. That's not natural. That's something else that's at work, and, and um, it's definitely a problem. And you know what? It's big problems, real problems. And when Jesus was dealing with kids, he recognized and saying, hey, these kids, they may have big problems. 
And, and they may have real problems, and he had real answers for them. I think about it, too. Like my son the other night, he's like calling me over, Dad, Dad, I'm having nightmares. And usually that's like, Dad, Dad, I just want to stay up a little longer. I already tried the drink thing. I tried the washroom. I tried the I need to soak my foot thing. You know, now we'll just try the Dad, I have nightmares thing. Let me sit out here with you till midnight. You know, that's, and I realized, you know, sometimes I send him back to bed. And then there was this, night, this one night this week, I realized, this is like real. He's like terrified. And I went into his room as I sat by his um, bedside and began to encourage him and remind him saying, Lincoln, now you know which one it is. God is always with you. Do you know that? He's like, yeah, I know that, but these things are right here. I'm like, Lincoln, it doesn't matter. You've got God with you. You've got the greater one living in you. Believe in Jesus? Yeah. Well, he's stronger. And you know, sometimes you're scared, but he said, have courage. And, and I was just encouraging my own son, be courageous, son. You know, you begin to speak to these things, just entrusting that, that God is with you and you can, you know, you can speak against these things. I was began to talk to him about filling his mind with different things. You know, think about good things. He's like, dad, the only thing I can think about is a dirt bike. That's a good thing. And you told me you're not going to buy it, which makes me even more sad, right? And I'm like, well, at least the fear's God, right? You know? <laughs> but you know, it's the same things as I was telling him. I realize those are the same things that I need when I'm scared. When I lay awake at night stressing over things, you know, about this church or about people's lives. I'm just like, oh, the, you know, some of the fears that try and, they always come in the middle of the night. It's those same things that I need. You know what? There's no junior devil attacking our kids, and we've said it before. There's no junior Holy Spirit either. And we're just beginning to encourage that in our children's lives, that they've got the greater one living in them. Um, Wes Stafford from Compassion said this, every child that you encounter is a divine appointment. Absolutely love that. Every child that you encounter is a divine appointment. We're thinking maybe every child that Jesus encounters, he's saying, no, every child that you encounter, there's a divine appointment. Something incredible can happen. You know, as Jesus was talking, he always taught in ways that his audience could understand, talking simple terms, talking about fishing, talking about, you know, farming and different things like that. He told stories that would help people learn from what they could see to focus on who they couldn't see. You know, I, I began taking my kids on nature rides, probably because my in-laws have a quad and it's awesome, and this is their backyard. And so, we, you know, we go on these nature rides, and as, as we're going through the, by the, by, it's, yeah, I know, I wish. But as we're going through, I'll, I'll get to the river and I'll ask my kids some of those things. I'm like, see that tree? I'm like, who made that tree? And for a long time, you know, the first couple times we went around, they, they didn't realize that the answer to all of it is God. Not only that, that God made that tree, but isn't he amazing? As you look at things, we always oh, take these opportunities. We see different things. See that flower there? Who made that? Yeah, God. Isn't he amazing? And as we kept continuing, realizing that as they see everything around them, you know what? God is all, he's all around. He created all of this. And he's amazing. I can never forget the proof is everywhere. And I learned that from my father-in-law. That's how Dick used to do the things with his kids. He'd take them out and show them different things and say, isn't, isn't he amazing? You know, our desire is to help our children recognize and respond to God at a young age. You know, as you see kids running around, asking them these things and, and turning from what they can see to who they can't yet see. Frederick Douglass said this, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It's easier to build strong children. It's easier. Some of you are like, ah, I'm not sure how to talk to kids. You know, they don't listen to me for more than two minutes. Welcome to adulthood. No child listens to you for more than two minutes. If you're trying to preach a sermon to them, stop. Just, just take those moments of connecting with them and, and helping point their, um, their eyes to, to Christ. Maybe it's even the things that they're good at. Maybe it's even the things that God's gifted them with and, and encouraging them with that. You know, kids love Jesus and he loves them. You hear the kids singing about Jesus in the temple, and I hear my kids singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
This I know, this I know. How many of you adults know that Jesus loves you? <laughs> One. Oh boy, we got a lot of work to do. How many of you know that Jesus loves you? I know it's hard to put up our hands sometimes because it's like, I, don't, I forget what my day was like. Was, did I swear like three times or four times? I, does he love me? And we, we wrestle with that. I love that song where it just says it's in him alone. You know, that, there's, that he, he, I'm loved because he says so. Because he's a good, good father, I'm loved by him. There's, that doesn't change. You know, if kids could get revelation, that would be incredible. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said this, that the little children were brought to Jesus that he might put his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked him, and Jesus said, let the little children, what? Let them come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He said to them, let them come to me. You know, Jesus said that same thing to adults. You know, if you're weary or burdened, we said that the whole idea, if you're thirsty, Jesus said, come to me. He was saying it to adults. He was saying it to children. Come to me and find rest. Followers of Jesus are not limited by age in any way. Downstairs right now, or maybe they're in the backyard, is our church now. Those kids are the church to right, right now. And it says, you know, Jesus said to them, let, let them come to me. Let them become followers of me. He says, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And that's a loaded thought. There's a ton of things in there, but one of the things I th- thought and took from this is that those are king's kids. For such is the kingdom of heaven. They are king's kids, and they might be unaware that they're royalty. Those kids are royalty, and so are you. But they're unaware of that at some times. You know, some of your kids, they think they deserve to be treated as royalty. You know, you got spoiled, rotten. You know, they, they, they feel like they're entitled. You know, you tell them, I can't tell my kids they're royalty. They're going like, to make me treat them like in, in this way. They're going to want everything. And the idea that our children need to understand and you need to understand that your royalty is this, not in, what, not in um, uh, what you're entitled to, but what your value is, that you're a king's kid. You know, there's a generation of young people growing up who do not feel loved or valued. They're all around us. They grew up looking for this, somebody show me that you love me. Somebody tell me that I'm worth something. Someone help me. Do you know we're designed to find that from from somewhere else? We're designed to find that from Christ. They don't know how much they're loved. Paul, when he was writing to the Ephesian church, he wrote to them as if they were young children. And he said to them, you know, here's what I pray for you. And here's my prayer for our kids. And my prayer for you is, is I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit pray that you'd have inner strength. I pray that, that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And this, that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. What does he mean by that? He's not talking about, you know, that we've got roots, but that idea of our heart and, and, and all of us get so connected to his love that it's so, that it keeps us strong. That when things come against you and negative things happen, people tell you you're no good, things didn't work out the way that you had hoped, your roots are just so in him. You know, when you, you mess up and fail and the enemy's just trying to throw guilt and shame on you, you're like, you know what? I may get it wrong, but I'm still loved. That never changes, that the roots are so in that and, and that you're strong. He says in verse 18 that you may have the power to understand. He's like, not everybody does. He's like, I'm praying that you would understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. It's way bigger than you understand. And this, not that you just get it here, Would you, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, and then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 
You know, that, that, that we would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love and that we might experience the love of Christ. I love one guy said it's like, you know, it's like a chickadee drinking out of a fire hose. That's what the love of Christ is like. It is like just overwhelming, all-consuming. You know, I think about that for our kids, for our teens. You know, that our daughters might know that they are loved completely by Christ. That's my prayer, that when my, my daughter, you know, is in her teen years and some 15-year-old boy comes over and tells her, wow, you look really beautiful today, that that's not going to matter a stitch for her. That she's going to realize, yeah, I knew that all my life, you know. God, God loves me incredibly, and my parents do too. Take a hike, you know, or meet my dad, right? I'm getting my gun license soon, right? But that idea, that idea, though, that they would know that they would know that they're loved, and they're not just going to know just because, you know, I hope they figure it out. They're going to know because somebody tells them, somebody shows them, somebody helps them experience the love of Christ. And that our sons would know that they're completely loved and accepted in Christ, that they wouldn't live their lives trying to accomplish things to try and earn that love or earn that value or think, you know, i got to work at a better place because if I make more money, I'm worth more. I would love to say that that's only children that experience that. But, you know, I've seen in my lifetime that it's many adults that wrestle and struggle with these same things because they never got their roots down and grounded into the love of Christ. We want our kids, we want the children of, of Christ to know that they are loved and that God sees greatness in them and he sees greatness in you. God sees greatness in our kids, though we, we may not see it yet. God sees greatness in you, even though you may not see it Yet, I want to finish with this thought. First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty six says this. Remember, I love when they say that because we're just so forgetful. He says, "Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose who? God. God chose things the world considers foolish." in order to shame those who think that they're wise. And God chose things that are powerless. Sometimes we feel that way, but God chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And in verse 31, it says, Therefore, as the Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. There's two Two separate thoughts in this one point is that, you know, it doesn't matter what we think about us or it doesn't matter what we haven't seen yet in the next generation. Sometimes we just want to write them all off. You know, they drive me nuts. It's not worth the effort. And yet there's greatness there that God can do great things through them. Uh, and, and he chooses the, the things that we may not and we may not see it yet. And I just, you know, as you look at the word, you see things, you know, there's lots of rags to riches story and there's success stories that you can see in life. You know, but here's the thoughts that I think, you know, as we look at, this, at the word, we look at David. David was the youngest kid in his family. He was the sheep keeper. And back then, you know, sheep keeping families were the lowest of the low. And then, you know, if you actually had to sit in the field, you were the lowest of the lowest. And that's where David sat. But you know what David did while he was out there? He learned to become a worshiper. And he began, you know, to, to, to get to know God. And the dreams were in his heart and in his life already. And he became, became that worshiper at a young age. And God saw his heart and he became a great king. He killed giants because there was something great in him that nobody else saw. You know, Joseph, you see the story of Joseph, young again, a dreamer, the annoying brat brother. Some of you have one of those. There's hope for him. 
There's hope for him. And as Joseph, you see the story of Joseph knowing, you know, even in that spot, sold out by his family, but there was a dream and his destiny was inside of him already. You know, he became the second most powerful man in the world at that time. Because God could do something great through his life. Samuel, last one, young. Samuel was left by his mom in the temple to grow up with the priests. You know, he's like, the, he's like be like a modern-day foster child. He's growing up in a family with parents that aren't his. He's growing up kind of all by himself, but he learns to recognize the voice of God. And he becomes a spokesperson for God through his nation and throughout history. We read the words that he learned and heard, spoke to this day. Why? Because God can use and do great things through people. There was glimpses of greatness. But I want to share this thought. Because there's a, the part of it is that sometimes, you know, that we, we forget and don't realize that the greatness in our lives, that God put in our lives and in your lives, was meant for his glory, not ours. And that's something that our kids need more than ever, is to realize that, yes, there's giftings. Discover those giftings and then use them for him. When we use gifts for ourselves, when we use it to just bring glory to us, and we try and think, you know, it's meant to bring us our 15 minutes of fame, you end up empty. You look at all like you've, so many famous actors, so many people that have made it to the top are just as lonely and just as empty because there's nothing in it. There was one guy, I forget who he was, he says, you know, the only thing I wish they had told me, like they'd ask him, what do you wish that people had, who were at the top had told you when you were on your way up? He's like, I wish the people at the top had told me that when I get there, there's nothing there. I wish they had told me that. And you know, the thought is this, that there is incredible gifts glimpses of greatness that we see in our kids already and to encourage those things you know I look think about Logan that kid can run like the wind Logan that's like a gift that God has given you and to use that for him to use that uh, running gift for that opportunity to uh to you know to, to be able to bring glory to God let that be that 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 thing that um, propels you. I think about these people singing tonight, McKelty. You know, just anointing on your life but, uh, and a gifting there, and I, I'm just pumped to see you using that for for His kingdom. It's amazing, it's amazing. Don't ever stop. You know, I think of so many of our kids that have have those things, those gifts, those things inside to encourage that in each and every one of them. We got musicians growing up, young musicians, young actors that, you know, just inspiring them, but encouraging them. Yeah, you can do it, the, the greatness of God in you, but use it for him. Let the world see Jesus in and through you. Let the world see Jesus in and through you. He's given you those gifts. Everything we have, it's from him. So my thought for us as Kingsway is what amazing future leaders do we have sitting right around us? You know, what great future businessmen and businesswomen are sitting right here. Some of you think, well, that's not spiritual. Yes, it is. You know, God needs some of the richest people on this planet to have the kingdom in their heart. Make tons of money and funnel it into seeing people come to know Christ. We've got some of those around us. Where are the future pastors and future leaders, great future politicians? We need some of those. Look at the politicians around us these days. I can't say names because I'll get in trouble. This is recorded. But look at we need some future politicians that love Canada and love the Lord. We need some great future volunteers, great future moms and dads. We've had too many families that have had to experience brokenness. You know, as we raise our kids to know what love really looks like and to explain to them how to honor one another, they need to know that there's greatness around uh, this thought, this thing, I, I found this quote, and I, I read it, and it just hit me. 
For those of you who know D.L. Moody, he was a man who had an incredible ministry, reached tons of people for Christ. He said this, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. At the end of his life, he said, you know what? I, this is what would have and should have and could have been most important. And so you say, Mark, why, why do we keep talking about this? Because Kingsway and children it comes right back to where we started, that our hearts would be turned towards them that we allow God to turn our hearts to just continually recognize and realize those that are around us and that their hearts would be turned towards him, that their hearts would be turned to the Father. And so I want to encourage you, I'm going to put this on the screen because if you hear it and you read it, it's the very last thing you hear. Hopefully this is the one thing you remember, but I would challenge you, each and every one of you with this thought, that you would pray for them. Who's them? Anyone younger than you. That you would pray for them. Maybe for you, you know, it's like that you would bless them. That you would speak words of life over their lives. Man, I, the words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. For a child to hear, I love you. I am proud of you. And to encourage them, so powerful. We think, oh, they're just going to figure it out. They won't. They need to hear it. You know, that we would believe great things for them. It's funny how our kids grow up to, you know, so often become what we believe that they can become. So often we're like, ah, you're going to turn out to be nothing. Ah, oh, man, it's amazing. I have adults talk to me years later and say, the things I've struggled with is because, you know, my dad always said I'd never be anything. And they wrestle with that and they always feel that sense. Speaking words of life, believing great things for them. And then the last thing, lead them well. Why? Because children are great imitators. They're not great listeners. <laughs> They're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. They're going to copy you. Great imitators. Children are great imitators, so I want to encourage and challenge each of you to give them something great to imitate, to be the people that are so passionate about Christ, so passionate about others, generosity that we live our lives and allowing them to see it. Give them something great to imitate. And you're like, well, I don't have any children. Then do it for mine. Do it for mine. They look up to you. They see you. They watch you. And my heart, my passion is that our kids, and that as we, as we continue, that your kids and your grandkids would grow up to become world changers because of what happened in this little place called Kingsway and Sweets Corners, for that matter, as well. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you again that we can call you Father. Thank you that you call each of us your children and that these things that we learn about children apply to us, too. God, thank you for, uh, for doing great things through, through people. Thank you for showing incredible love uh, through others. Thanks for the people in my life that have uh, just been, been so instrumental in my journey. Thank you for those people that reached out and spent time. Father, I pray you help each and every one of us just to be aware of those that are around us, but also to reach out and, and to, to uh, help them see you. You're incredible and amazing. Your love is just something that each and every one of us needs to understand more. May we, may we be a great light of that this week. Uh, in your name we pray, Lord, and for your glory only we pray. Amen.